And welcome, everybody, to episode 66 of the Progression of the Mute podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts, Keegan Thompson and Aiden Holler. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good today, Sean. Pretty, pretty good. Five and a half days without a Nick stick. I'm feeling proud, ready to talk some football. And I'm happy to see you guys. How are you, Aiden? That was nice, Keegan. I really like that note you hit there. That was a nice little Thank you. jingle you turned into that. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing well myself. I've got I've got a handful of slow drafts um, slowly moving along. So just kind of hanging out. Nothing too special for me. But, you know, just drafting, ready to talk some more divisional previews, and hang out with my two good pals. Wow, vibes. Vibes it. are very high coming from you. I didn't drink caffeine oh. today uh, for the first time in months, and I am in the early stages of withdrawals. So... The headache's coming soon. The headache's coming soon, but this is great. Today's episode, we have episode three of our team-by-team fantasy football previews, where we go division-by-division to find each team's most relevant fantasy storylines. Today's divisions, the AFC East and North. If you've missed parts one and two, you can see both episodes in our feed. And today's episode of the Progression to the Mean podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best ball on Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football. Just draft your team and that's it. No waivers, trades, or weekly start-sit decisions. Underdog will automatically play your best players at each position every week. Sign up today with promo code RTM to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. You can sign up for as little as $10 to start drafting today. It is bar none the best way to practice for redraft leagues. Episode, again, the AFC East and North. We are going to start things off in the AFC East. Aiden assigns the teams, and Aiden did us a great favor today. He assigned the New York Jets, the football Jets of New York, to Keegan Thompson. Keegan, tell us a little bit about what you are thinking about when it comes to the Jets and fantasy football in 2023. Oh, man, I am so excited to talk about the Jets. But it comes down to three players and three players only, I think, that I care about for fantasy, and it's Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, and Brees Tyler Hall. Conklin. Um, I, was, I thought you were... Pull the lever. Pull the lever, conk. Oh, yes. No, no, no. That's a best ball darling for me. But I, I, I could go into some stats from last year, but I think they're all like kind of irrelevant now that we have Aaron Rodgers. Our OC has changed now to Nathaniel Hackett. But let's just start with Garrett Wilson. Um, he's being drafted currently as like the, like basically a top 10 wide receiver in best ball right now. His ADP sits somewhere around like the 14 15 range in those drafts. Last year, funny stat wide receiver eight without Zach Wilson. With him, wide receiver 60. <laughs> oh. It was atrocious Criminal. how bad it was with Zach Wilson and what he did to him. So, I think this year is going to be really big for him. So after the week 10 bye for New York, Garrett Wilson was averaging almost 10 targets a game at 9.9 targets a game. Like he is their clear alpha. They have a like pretty healthy depth wide receiver room, but nobody that I think I'm scared of taking targets from him. Like I'm not nervous about Corey Davis involvement. I think Alan Lazard is like a fine fantasy player and like late round stuff, but they're not enough to scare me away from Garrett Wilson and his production this year. I think he has potential to finish as a wide receiver one, and I would love to see that, but he's being priced as is already without being seen that. So my only thing with Garrett Wilson is hesitation for costs versus like end of year production. And is he going to hurt you a little bit? But I think right now, if I had to guess, he has no reason why he shouldn't be a wide receiver one in the year. 
and I'm super, super excited about it now that Aaron Rodgers is in town. The next thing is Brees Hall. How do we handle Brees Hall? How do we deal with it? Obviously coming off an ACL injury, but not all injuries are considered the same. I think when you think about running back injuries, we are hesitant to draft Brees Hall where he's going right now or just as maybe you're starting running back, especially for your zero RB people or people that want to stack heavy wide receivers in best ball drafts because of him coming off an injury. But all signs point to him being ready week one. I'm not really concerned about the injury, especially in maybe think like best ball, right? Like week 17 matters. You know, you want to get to the end of the year, like those beginning couple of weeks, you could probably take a loss on some Brees Hall lowered production. I'm not worried about Dusty Dalvin Cook signing if he does and taking away from Brees. I mean, we're talking about a guy who would probably be a top five fantasy pick had he played all year last year. And I think his range of outcomes is probably not top five this year, but he'll still be, I think, a top 10 running back in all formats. Among 52 running backs with 80-plus carries last year, Brees Hall ranked first in yards after contact per attempt, first in PFF's elusive rating, 21st in avoided tackles per attempt, and fourth in breakaway rate. I think that last stat is most important because he doesn't need a heavy workload to be an impactful fantasy running back, and he has game-breaking like breakaway speed and like home-run hitting ability. Some other stats for him before we move on, but he was seventh in points per game and half PPR. He's first among backs with at least 75 carries and yards per carry with 5.8. So the dude is a dog. Him and Garrett Wilson are going to eat this year. <laughs> I'm not worried about Brees' injury at all. And at I think all. Aaron Rodgers, no, at all. Aiden, you seem skeptical. I know that was a beautiful diatribe. Yeah. Brees is my, my, my darling. You know, I love Brees. I was get well, get well Brees. I think Brees could get back to what he was maybe towards the end of the season, but there's a lot of data that indicates that yeah. guys coming off an ACL injure their hamstrings or they overcompensate because of atrophy. Like, do you think that Brees is going to live up to his round three ADP considering the injury he came off of? That's do dude, that's he, baked in. Round three is cheap for yeah. Brees Hall. Do, do I think he could? Yes. But in my opinion, like I'm, I'm really banging Brees Hall in 2024. Um, <laughs> what? It, it's just rare that like you come off of this Pause. injury and I'm banging the oh, drum. You yeah. said just banging Brees Hall. <laughs> yeah, you said I'm banging Brees Hall in 2024. <laughs> no, I'm banging the okay. drum okay. on Brees okay. in 2024. Um, it's just like, I think it's a little ignorant for us to expect him to come off a torn ACL and look like the exact same running back, especially right away. Um so for that reason, like in most formats, in like best ball, I'm okay with him as like my second running back. It, as as my running back one, like you must have a really big risk appetite because the range of outcomes could be quite wide, especially early in the season, like you mentioned, which could cost you a season. So um, I like him. I'm my, super high on him. But my only thing is the injuries baked in to his ADP right now. I agree. Like if you're drafting, yeah, especially if you are doing a redraft right now, like. It's baked in, you know, like you're already considering that. Yeah. Josh Jacobs might threaten to sit out, and Josh Jacobs is getting drafted above Brees Hall. Yeah. I'm not saying Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry and Brees Hall are having the same seasons, but like they're about the same territory. Like, but would I rather have Brees Hall over, you know, maybe a Devonta Smith or something? In some cases, sure. You know, it depends on how your first two picks go. But if I've already drafted two wide receivers in best ball and I'm looking at Brees Hall on the board in third round. I'm gonna take him every yeah, you're, time. You're swinging for upside there. I, I I think I, I'll give you that, Keegan. I think I'm being a little more open to it. But I, I think Brees is somebody that as we get later into the off season and we see his training camp participation, we get a better understanding if he'll be ready later in the off season or ready for week one. I think that's something that we 
like it makes it much easier to click the the breeze button if it, so to speak yeah it's just rumors yeah. right now like he looks great i'm like how great yeah. how great does he actually look he's cutting to say outside of those two sean um there's not much for fantasy value on the jets you know yeah. it's, it's those two guys and yeah. that's I it think, it's two i dogs. think we might be sleeping on rogers and I, i've been a little critical of rogers last season but he's going so late in drafts and he might have a lot to prove this season. So I'm curious to know if he kind of regains some of his form and finishes in the top 12. He's getting drafted. I think it's like QB 14, 15, 16 right now in underdog. So I'm curious to see where Rodgers lands at the end of the season. A quarterback that did not have a bad season last year. A quarterback who has led the position in points per game and points total over the past three seasons is Josh Allen. And when I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills, I'm really curious if this is the season that Josh Allen stops running the ball more. So, Aiden, Keegan, if you went online right now and just Googled Josh Allen and Brandon Bean, here are some of the headlines that come up, and Brandon Bean being the GM of the Bills. Brandon Bean, glad Josh Allen plans to be a little bit smarter when running the ball. Bills GM Brandon Bean calls for Josh Allen running changes. We don't need it. Bills Brandon Bean welcomes Josh Allen's willingness to take less hits. So, you know, those are just some headlines, but then you take a look at what the team did in the offseason. They signed Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, both to modest deals, but both of those guys are, like, solid between the tackle thumpers, goal line guys. They also drafted James Cook the year before and traded for Naeem Hines to give Allen a more dynamic pass catcher, dump the ball off to instead of scramble. They also brought in Dalton Kincaid, indicating they want to throw the ball more. They want to get a dynamic tight end in this offense. Like, all of these facts along with Josh Allen tearing his UCL, I think partially tearing his UCL in his elbow last season, point to the fact that the Bills are begging Allen to run the ball less. And though I think Josh Allen will still be a good quarterback if he doesn't run the ball as much, I don't think he's going to be in that top three discussion if he sees his rushing production and his touchdown rushing production regress as a result of running less. And I think like a really interesting stat I found is over the past three seasons – 23% of Josh Allen's production has come from rushing the football. So pretty healthy mix of passing and rushing, but rushing is a huge component of Josh Allen hitting home as a quarterback one. And we're drafting him in Hurts and Mahomes, and I kind of feel like they have their own separate tier if Allen is going to run the ball less this season. So like, is this the year that Josh Allen kind of falls off a cliff? I don't think that happens, but is this the year that Josh Allen isn't a top three quarterback and we have Lamar re-entering the conversation, we have Justin Fields entering the conversation, and Allen's more of that 5-6 range, finishing maybe even behind Burrow? I think that's definitely in a range of outcomes if Allen runs the ball less. So I know I just threw some anti-Josh Allen propaganda at Keegan, which is basically his catnip. Um, so I know he probably loved that whole entire situation, but are you buying Josh Allen running less and are you buying that it'll hurt his overall fantasy production i think i am for sure um also speaking of one of the running backs they signed latavius murray's 2022 stats are not bad he's bad. good he might eat into <laughs> damian harris's <laughs> workload <laughs> yeah. he might actually he's so get annoying he's so annoying <laughs> okay so so with that the reason i bring that up is they have two guys who are really good at between the tackles uh two guys that are like pretty good at finding the end zone and damian harris and latavius murray James Cook, I don't think, received a single rushing attempt inside the five-yard line last year. No, um, he's efficient, so though. I'm not he's worried like about an efficient. He, yeah, exactly. But they've, they've got these two guys that are, like, built to bring the ball into the end zone from, like, short rushing game. And that's 
the, to me, I'm like, yeah, you take away Josh Allen leaping over the goal line and things like that, and yeah, you lose a significant amount of fantasy points. Um, I, I don't know if the drop-off is steep for him. I think he's still elite fantasy quarterback, like top five, top six potential for sure, but I definitely am buying the fact that he will not be running the same amount. Aiden, you buying it? I'm into that. I, I don't think I'm sipping the Kool-Aid, to be honest. Um, okay. I think they're going to design less for him, but I think a big part of Josh Allen's game is like he's such an instinctual player. Um, like a yes. lot of those just kind of off-script plays, like he's going to keep doing. I think that's what makes Josh Allen so special is he has that confidence and that natural ability to where, you know, when things kind of fall apart, um, like he kind of thrives in chaos. So I think that's a good point. Too, like two-pronged here, I think designed runs, yes. Like they're going to try to stop Josh Allen from running more. But if he does fall out of the top three, I don't think it's because – that's the main reason. I think it's because there's a lot of yeah. really good quarterbacks, especially some dual threat guys like Fields, like Lamar, that could just surpass him. But I, I'm not buying a huge dip in his uh, rushing personally. Shifting here from Buffalo to a much warmer location, the Miami Dolphins. Aiden, tell us a little bit about the Miami Dolphins and their fantasy prospects in 2023 the talk about Tua all summer has been pretty fascinating because it's pretty much like everyone's just walking on eggshells like what happens if Tua gets another concussion is his career over it's brain's gonna fall out of his ears I think there's a world where Tua stays healthy and they kind of pick up where they started in the first half of 2022 they supported two top 10 wide receivers in fantasy and didn't really do anything in the offseason to add to that wide receiver room if anything they probably lost competition in terms of um kind of target well, let's not forget about chosen anderson and your guy braxton barrios can't forget braxton barrios so in my opinion like i'm still super all in on both of those wide receivers i think especially at adp i'm definitely scooping them up in best ball right now i'll be doing the same in redraft i'm pretty excited not to mention if something does happen to tua they do have a much better insurance plan it's obviously not tua but Mike White proved last year he is a serviceable NFL quarterback. So I think that is something to take into account this year. It's like it's not just Tua or bust with this offense. There is something in place that I think gives you a bit more security when drafting these players. So I'm really in on the wide receivers. Tua's good value. I've got him as QB 13. Again, this shouldn't be your first quarterback. If maybe you're drafting a quarterback in like, you know, day to nine ten range maybe this is your second quarterback but i like his value there especially if he stays healthy he was on pace for like a top five qb finish it was it was really special what he pace. was doing early on in the year and then just to kind of wrap up the dolphins here i have no idea what to make of this running back room there's just so many mouths to feed and i can't stop thinking about the potential of dalvin cook making it even messier so these are more of best ball guys for me they're all cheap they're all going late no one really knows what the split is going to look like. Is it going to be like, how much is it Devin and Chang going to play? How much is most are going to play? Like, there's just, there's too many question marks there for me. I won't be touching it in redraft unless it's insanely cheap. But yeah, if you know what's going on with this running back room, go ahead and buy yourself a lottery ticket or something because you know something I don't. I'm not <laughs> touching it. Yeah, it seems pretty murky. An another team in general that is murky. I can't believe you assigned him the Cardinals on the last episode, and you assigned him the Patriots on this episode. That's what you get. You got the Jets. You got to talk about. He got Brees, the you Jets. Got to sell Brees to the, the masses. Jets. Keegan, tell us a little bit about the New England Patriots and their offense in 2023. <laughs> How are we approaching this for fantasy? 
I don't really know what to say here about them. Um, there's not much to say. Uh, Mondre? Mondre? I, like, that's really yeah. it. The first thing I think is, that is important is Bill O'Brien will be a upgrade over Matt Patricia, and the offense should get better. Does that mean anything for me to care about? Probably not, honestly. Like, Matt Patricia was bad. Mac Jones was also bad last year, and he had a great rookie year. He was really good at Alabama, but he's a quarterback that needs a very good offensive line and needs a QB-friendly offensive scheme to succeed. He is not like one of these – he's not like a Kenny Pickett or like a Sam Howell that's like sneaky athletic and get out of the pocket. Like he is a pocket passer. He needs to be in good structure to succeed. And I don't love the talent around him either. I think Juju is still battling some health issues, and maybe he's – their wide receiver one, that's fine, and he's a good value in like pick 120 or something, but that doesn't mean I'm chasing after this in fantasy. Outside of Mac Jones and their wide receivers, you know, Hunter Henry's a fun late round, like sprinkle and underdog best ball, but I'm not going to touch him in re like redraft. And then, of course, there's Ramondre Stevenson. I'm not going to go into the full write up. I think maybe we should tweet this out, but that Noah More Parties write up about Ramondre Stevenson and Pierre Strong and this offense that's going to happen was pretty intriguing to me. Bill O'Brien is definitely going to introduce what seems like to be a more like outside zone run scheme. And that's actually not really Ramondre's bread and butter. Um, he's a much better between the gaps like runner, just statistically. To think that Ramondre is going to be this bell cow again, which I know Bill Belichick does not like, might be fool's gold. I think Ramondre's ADP right now is really confusing to me because I don't know if it'll just be the same role as last year. But I feel like there's an opportunity for Pierre Strong to get involved. I've honestly, in, in the beginning of the offseason, I was kind of all in on Ramondre. They didn't really draft anybody. I don't know. This offense is not somebody that I really want a part of in fantasy this year. Even if Bill O'Brien is an upgrade, how much of an upgrade? I just don't think they have a good skill group. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't yeah. think so either, Keegan. Just, I don't think so either. Yeah. It's <laughs> this is one I'm of those. I'm trying to be nice about it, and I'm trying to be rational, but it's just not good. It's a no. That for was me, awesome dog. watching you talk about that. That was that was satisfying. <laughs> I, mean, I was I, I, I was in charge of that. Yeah. Outside yeah. of Mondre, it's dark. Um, it's really really dark. Like there's a couple maybe like pop weeks from random guys, but they're gonna stink. They're going to stink, I think. Um, and there's just this is one of the hardest to... divisions in football this year. They're going to be last place. In that I division. don't know how they're going to win games. I'm, they're in like five games. I'm good. I'm good. They, they, is Bill their on his way out? Defense is really good. No, I don't think Bill's on his way. Yeah, Pelichick said no, no, no. I yeah. don't think Bill's on his Brady way. product. That man's going to be coaching the day before he dies. Like that dude. <laughs> what is Bill Belichick going to be doing if he's not coaching? A name to look out for: Pierre Strong. Back up to Ramondre Stevenson. I think that's a decent dart throw. There might be decent something dart there. Throw. If anything yeah. happens to Mondre, it would be more of a timeshare. But Pierre Strong, take take a look at him. Take a gander. He looks pretty good when he uh, when he got the rock. Another guy True who soul. looked quite good when he got the rock last season was the Bengals. Jamar Chase. We are now shifting gears here to the AFC North. What a, what a treat I get to talk about my guy, Jamar Chase. Aiden, I appreciate you. Dude, I just get the <laughs> shittiest teams to talk Aiden. about. I really do. Um, oh, looking dude. At this Keegan's team, this division is going to make me smile so hard. Uh, <laughs> looking dude. at this team in particular, not a lot has changed. A lot of continuity. Same play caller. Same two stud wide receivers. Joe Mixon is still on the team. We have a new backup running back. 
the offensive line should be like relatively mid, good, not great. Um, I think when you're taking a look at this offense, you got to look at Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase last season, if you look at his overall raw counting numbers, 87 receptions, 1,064 yards, and nine touchdowns, like, oh, that's a pretty good season, a little disappointing. And then you factor in that he only played 12 games. You're like, holy shit, that's a, that's a really good pace in 12 games. That's really good. And then good. you realize he played four of those 12 games coming off of a fractured hip. He fucking fractured his hip last season, came back, played, and had four out of five of those games he played in coming back off the fractured hip with top 14 finishes, including two top five games. And you look at his underlying statistics. He led the NFL in targets per game. He was fourth in target percentage. He finished fifth in fantasy points per game. When he came back, he was good. And hip injuries usually sink guys for the rest of the year. He played three playoff games. In those three playoff games, he had 28 targets, had 20 receptions, 220 receiving yards, and scored two touchdowns. Are we in a world where last year was a what-if season? Where, like, if Jamar Chase runs hot towards the end of the year, he finishes his wide receiver one? It wasn't Justin Jefferson who finishes his wide receiver one. It was Jamar Chase. I think that was in the range of outcomes for Chase. And I feel like we got robbed of that last season when he got hurt. And I think it is a kind of a hot take because of how good Jefferson's been. But if you wanted to look me in the eyes and say, Jamar Chase is the top wide receiver in fantasy football. He's going to finish as the wide receiver one. And you should take him number one overall. I would not argue against it. I would not tell you you were a fool. I wouldn't say you're wrong. I think it's a hot take because of what Justin Jefferson's done in his career. But Jamar Chase, I think, could have a record-breaking season this year. I think everything's aligning for Chase. So my question to Keegan, because I already know the answer for Aiden, because I think Aiden has a Jamar, <laughs> like a Justin Jefferson tattoo across his back. He has him hitting the gritty in his first NFL game. Um, Keegan, would you take Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson in fantasy football this, year, this season? Sure. I think my take is uh, like, what side of the bed do you wake sure. up on? I have them on the same plane of skill level, production. Like, they're just both elite. I think it's just like, what color do you like more? You like orange, white, and black? Or do you like purple, yellow, and white? You know, what do you want to be today? Do you want to be Justin Jefferson or do you want to be Justin Chase? I think Justin Chase, J- Jamar Chase, whatever you want to be that day works. I think they're both studs. Why not? I, I, dude, this is going to sound funny, but I'm, I'm at the point where I keep getting gifted 101 in best ball drafts, and I'm like highly considering just taking Jamar Chase for a little mix-up, just a little variety, just to make sure I've got exposure to both so I get a little bit of Chase there too. I like them both. I wish you had more of a hotter take there, but that's probably the best answer. Is they're both very good. Yeah, yeah. and you're lucky to have they're so either good. one on your fantasy team. Awesome, that's not going to be a great TikTok, awesome. Keegan, but... that that makes for a really just fun pleasing conversation when i'm looking at a fun pleasing conversation i usually don't want to talk about the cleveland browns and deshaun watson so i appreciate aiden holler here going ahead and giving himself the cleveland browns so aiden tell us a little bit about kevin stefanski redacted and the uh, Cleveland Browns in 2023. What does their offense look like for fantasy football? So I feel like there's only one place to start here, and it's with maybe the most underrated player in fantasy football, which is Nicholas Chubb, dude. What a producer, year in and year out. It's I just 
I don't understand why Nick Chubb doesn't get more love in the fantasy community. He is consistent producer his last four years, averaging just over 250 carries, 1,300 plus yards, and 10 tutties. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. If you're in a standard league, you could make the case for him being running back one this year, I think. In PPR leagues, the argument is a lot harder to make, given that he's probably only going to catch, you know, ballpark 30 balls. So he's probably closer to that running back five or six finish, maybe even a bit farther, depending on if he was potentially miss any time. But he is going to get so much volume this year without anyone really challenging him for touches. You've got Jerome Ford, who everyone thinks is, yeah, this fantasy darling. But Nick Chubb is going to absolutely eat up touches in this offense and dominate in fantasy league. So my 23% exposure in best ball underdog drafts, um, back up my <laughs> stance. I'm flex very your exposure. Wow. He just I am 23% his... through 40 drafts with Nick Chubb. He just 24%. What was your closing ADP on Nick Chubb? What are you getting, like 18th, 19th? That is going up. He is climbing I, into the first round. Yeah, You're such a sharp, I think I had dude. him around 15. I'm sharp on him. You're I'm sharp. I'm moving You're his sharp. ADP. Uh, so past Chubb, obviously, like I I expect big things from this offense this year, but it all comes down to Deshaun Watson because obviously, like yes. I don't have any. Even if Deshaun Watson sucks, I think Nick Chubb is going to get his. But what happens in the passing game obviously is reliant on Deshaun Watson, and I do see him rebounding this year. I think you kind of started to see shades of the old Deshaun Watson down the stretch last year. And Kevin Stefanski has been open in the offseason in terms of tweaking that playbook to make things work for Deshaun. So I see big things for that offense. I personally have him as QB 10, sandwiched in between Dak and Danny Dimes. And personally, I think he has the highest ceiling or out of the three of them by far because of his rushing ability. We've seen what he's done in Houston. If he could even give us 80, 85% of that magic again, I think we're in for a really, really special season. And lastly... I'm just going to touch on him real quick. Amari Cooper finished his wide receiver 10 last year, and it's like nobody cares. This dude is another just underrated producer in fantasy football who's going to sit on your roster and just average 15, 16 fantasy points a game. Going to be in your lineup every single week and is an awesome fit. So this is a fun offense. Um, again, in general, I'm drafting a ton of Cleveland Browns in all formats. I think... I think they're going to shock people and make that division pretty tough for both the Bengals and the Ravens. I'm compelled, honestly. I'm so interested in this team and what they're going to do this year. I'm a huge DPJ guy. <laughs> I think Amari Cooper is a stud. <laughs> the first wide receiver. You're, you you got to quit Donovan Peoples Jones, man. Like, that's insane. No. I no, my take is he outproduces Elijah Moore this year. And then everybody finally realized that Elijah Moore is just mid. Um, as, but as yeah, I'm all in on Nick too. All right, so now we're on to the Steelers, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Aiden gave Keegan the Steelers. <laughs> yes, yes, this is yes, the stuff yes, that yes. dreams are made of. Keegan, tell us a little bit about the Pittsburgh Steelers and future Pro Bowl quarterback Kenny Pickett in 2023. All right, let me tell you how shitty the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is. Uh, the problem starts with Matt Canada and it continues with Kenny Pickett. Um, he averaged 6.2 yards per pass attempt and had a 1.8% TD rate across 12 starts as a rookie. He had a league-worst 39% red zone completion rate and took six red zone sacks in 13 games. Um, the assumption is that Matt Canada will probably run the same dink-and-dunk conservative offense 
again, which ranks 29th in play action rate, 29th in fourth down aggressiveness, and 25th in neutral pass rate. So if you're going to sit here and tell me that there's something to buy in this passing offense, I'm going to tell you you're an idiot. I want nothing to do with most of this team, but I will be nice and say some positive things about this team. Tick tock, tick you could tock. Make a case. Throw it on the feed, baby. You, We're cutting that. Let me tell you know how you really feel. Steelers. Keegan. Let me tell you how shitty the Steelers' what? offense is going to be. It was one of the hottest things I've ever heard come out of your mouth. That you came in hot. Oh, right, you like going to say nice? No, no, no. If, Fuck you. If, if, <laughs> if. if <laughs> okay, let me let me make a point here. Let me make a point here, right? Like everybody loves to talk regression. Everybody loves to talk positive regression. We regression to the mean. We we love that. Regression, Shout, regression to the mean. This is how bad. This is how bad Pittsburgh is. That every single player on this team is a candidate for positive regression because they were <laughs> fucking horrible. <laughs> they were they were horrible. Like it, and if I had to pick two, like if I'll say something nice about two people, and I pick two people that I would have to be in on it's. Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryerman. I mean, go. Deontay Johnson, according to Hayden Winks, had basically last year his expected TD number was 6.7 touchdowns based on his fantasy usage and just overall wide receiver usage. So to go from zero touchdown to 6.7 might not happen, but basically you're giving him seven touchdowns of expected range that he can possibly regress to based on his usage last year. So I definitely think there's more for him there. Now, Pat is somebody I'm a little bit more intrigued with. He was eighth in yards per route run at the tight end position, seventh in PFF receiving grade at his position, and he did this on the ninth most routes. I'd probably say I'm buying Pat because he's a pretty good tight end that's discounted if you miss out on the elite guys. I'm kind of into that, but you can't tell me to draft Najee Harris. You can't tell me to buy into the corpse of Allen Robinson, and I'm damn sure not buying into deep threat, spectacular catch monster George Pickens <laughs> who is very one-dimensional. I can't believe I had to research the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got depressed doing that. Wow. Yeah, I kind of echo a lot of what you said. So, yeah, DJ and Muth <laughs> are uh, my guys. I'm I'm just glad like you said it, not me. Um, I just feel like after our best ball draft a couple weeks ago, like I saw the Steelers and I was like, this would be perfect for the people if Keegan had to speak about them. So, yeah. Matt Canada is a war criminal. It's 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 a bad bad offense. It's just like nothing makes sense. There's no rhythm. It's 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 not fun to watch. You could bend my arm with Najee at the right spot though. Um, oh I no, never again. Of Najee, never again. I know. I'd rather I just take Rashad White. Like, I'd rather just take Rashad White in the in the eighth, like or the seventh. My hot take is Najee Harris just isn't good. Like I just don't think he's don't like a that. very efficient running back. He's fine. Like I, he's I, fine. He had like, a plate in his foot last he's year. Fine, too. sure. He, he's good, but like he's not explosive. So it's like, hey, okay. Let me let me read yeah, you something. What are we real gonna quick. do? He was forty third in yards after contact per carry at only two point eight, and that's sandwiched in between Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette in next gen stats, okay, rushing yards tough. over expected. Jalen Ward's Those are better. Two tough guys. To like, he, he, okay, Najee Harris is a volume yeah. guy. That's it. He's just a volume he's, guy. And sure, we like he's that. He's good, though. Like, but go draft Jimmy yeah, exactly. Connor in the eighth round exactly. instead. I had Najee Harris like, on a fantasy team. He ruined my season. And whenever Jalen Warren got the ball, he looked better. So it was like <laughs> I had Jalen Warren on my team handcuffed to him. And I was like, can Jalen Warren just get on the field more so I can play <laughs> the other guy? Um, and 
our last team here in the AFC North is one of the most talked about teams this offseason, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm, I'm looking at this Ravens team, and they've revamped their passing attack. They've brought in Todd Monken. They, uh, like Andy not wanting to play with this tour anymore, they threw Greg Roman in the trash, right? I'm going to miss Patrick Ricard running uh, slant routes at 303 pounds as a fullback. That was truly generational stuff, Greg. I won't. And wheel I think routes. the main wheel question, routes. Yeah, wheel routes. Dude, um, dude so they were out of, was out of pocket and they were injured. So I think you're, we have a healthy J.K. Dobbins. We'll have a healthy Mark Andrews. We have a properly compensated Lamar Jackson leading this offense. And I'm just curious to know which wide receiver leads this team in targets in 2023. A lot of the buzz coming out of OTAs is really clear. Consistent drumbeat. The Ravens are going to throw the ball more and run at a faster pace. So they have three new additions to the wide receiver room with OBJ, Zay Flowers, and Nelson Aguilar. And they will all be joining Rashad Bateman a year after his Liz Frank surgery. So Lamar finally has like a real wide receiver core along with Mark Andrews. And I think we've been talking about this a little bit. Like, how do we approach this? Which wide receiver do we take? It's probably just safest to take Lamar Jackson instead of taking any of these wide receivers. But his top three wide receiver targets are being drafted in the same range. Bateman, 88th. Zay, 90th. OBJ, 112th. I don't think any of these guys is going to lead this team in targets. That's going to belong to Mark Andrews. But call me crazy. Whoever finishes as the top wide receiver in this offense... I think they could easily snag a top 24 wide receiver finish. So if you were going to correctly pick the Ravens wide receiver to be their wide receiver one, you're going to get a top 24 guy, in my opinion, in the eighth or ninth round. And when I'm looking at these three guys, like I'm a big supporter of Rashad Bateman, but the matter of fact is he can't stay healthy. And I feel like this season is more about proving that he can stay on the field instead of dominating his competition. And I'm really hesitant to draft wide receivers with foot issues. Coming off a of list, Frank, it kind of just seems like nightmare fuel. Jay is old, and he's coming off his second ACL. Like, the odds of him breaking out are kind of slim, but he is a fun gamble in the later rounds to take a swing at, considering, you know, OBJ's a fun player to root for, and he's had some ultra-productive seasons in the past. And that kind of leads us to Zay Flowers. So, Zay Flowers is a first-round, ultra-talented rookie. Now, it did take him a while to break out, and he is an older prospect, but he was playing at Boston College and was catching passes from Phil Djokovic. Uh, Phil Djokovic, I don't think, could hit water if he fell out of a boat. And I think Zay Flowers is somebody that I think, he screams of a late-season breakout. So if you draft Zay Flowers at the beginning of the year, he might have these games where he sees like a 50 to 60% snap share. He's kind of you know, like not on the field a ton. He might catch a long, deep touchdown, kind of similar to like Marquise Brown when he was a rookie. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the year, he's on the field 80% of the snaps. He's an integral part of this offense, and he's getting targeted heavily. And I think he could win you leagues at the end of the season. So if I had to pick out of those three guys, someone that I think is going to break out at their ADP, I think it's Zay Flowers. What do you guys think? You're speaking my language. You're speaking my language. I pretty much would have dissected it the same way. The Liz Frank is an issue with Bateman. I got burned last year with him. Like, he was so good early. He had that game against Miami. Special. Insane. Um, OBJ hasn't been fantasy. He was special. Yeah. OBJ hasn't been fantasy relevant in, like, damn near half a decade at this point. Like, I'm I'm just not doing it. It's like you said, like, I love rooting for OBJ. Like, like, I'm an OBJ fan, but I won't be an OBJ owner this year. Um, And I think I need to keep those things separate for the sake of being a fan. Zay Flowers has got the juice, dude. His yard after catch ability is awesome. Watching him 
like he's just such a natural runner with the football in his hands and i would definitely be picking him out of the three but how much of that does he get versus mark andrews will be kind of the big thing and against the other wide receivers it's mark andrews and then it's rashad bateman for me I'm not shocked. You just told all of our listeners to draft Brees Hall after an ACL, so I appreciate you going all in on upside. Dude, dude, just scared money don't make money yeah, in I fantasy. Like, Take you know Javante, what? too. Like, Go Javante Brees backfield <laughs> with Bateman as your wide receiver, too. <laughs> just so you, I'm ready to get hurt. I, I, to be honest, Sean, I, I actually don't know if there is a path for the wide receivers to break into top t- 24 like wide receiver territory, like maybe fringe outside of it because it is Mark Andrews. And I think Lamar will still do a significant amount of damage on the ground this year. So, like, kind of how we were saying about um, getting exposure to the offenses, like, just just do it through the quarterback. Like, I'm going to draft – well, I've drafted Lamar a lot in best ball this year. Like, I want him on redraft teams this year. I'm excited to have him again in Dynasty. Like, I think we were talking about Josh Allen in our preview earlier, and it's – like we're talking about him missing out on a top three spot, maybe because of less rushing. Well, I think Lamar like has a path to QB one this year. I'm I'm like planting a flag in Lamar this year. I'm I'm super He's QB one. He will have a top twenty four wide receiver. Is my point? Without a doubt, because that means the passing Agreed. numbers. Like, took I, a pretty I, significant I can see what you spike. mean. Yeah. Also, the only thing I'm worried about with Bateman and Zay Flowers is like they are paying Odell so much money. So Odell's going to be on the field. He's going to be running routes. Like he's on. he's going to be on the field. One hundred percent. You're paying fifteen million. He's definitely going to be on the field. That concerns me for Zay Flowers. That's a good way to wrap this up, Keegan. I think. I think we're all just really excited to watch the Ravens. It's like this is. Oh my god, this is going to be one of my favorite teams to watch this year. And be like that'll be on my red zone. (laughs) And that will do it (laughs) for part three of our team by team previews. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Before we jump, Keegan, anything for our listeners? I love football. You didn't say I'm. Oh, I love you. Wow, that kind of that kind I'm, of sent me. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start changing it. You know, I'm just gonna shout out things okay. that I love positivity. at the end of the podcast. Positivity. You know? I yeah, like that. Spread of positivity today. I like, I, I just love football. I love. I love Scott yeah. Hansen. I love Lamp. I love, I love football. Scott Hansen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>